praising Jesus this morning? Would you turn to your neighbor? Just say hello this morning. Maybe get their name because we are glad that you are here. you this morning. We just want to thank you for being our honored guest here as we lift our voices in, in song, Lord God, and just uh, thank you so much for being a great God. Thank you so much for allowing us to just um, come together as a family of, 
of brothers and sisters who just adore you, worship you, are so glad to call you friend, and are so glad to call you Lord, and so glad to call you Savior. You are worthy of all of our praise, and we give this to you today because you are is the 
Well, good morning. Morning. You know, no matter what your, and then insert your week, your day, your morning, last night's evening, the, whatever this month has been for you, we're just really excited that you're here. And we believe that God has a message for you this morning that he's going to minister to you. And so we're really excited about what God's going to share with us this morning through his word and, and through Ken. And so you're probably going, Luke is pretty weird, but this is a whole new level with this whole pink bunny thing. But hey, you're paying attention, right? Maybe some of you just noticed it. If you pass the friendship folders, I'll tell you what's going on. So March 24th, we're having our extreme egg hunt. And when you leave, I would love if you would do one thing. If you would go out into the foyer and then hang a right. If you're on the far over here, hang a left. And there's a table with balloons and Easter, Easter, egg, or Easter baskets full of bunnies and eggs and all kinds of stuff. Ask them what's going on because they would love to tell you. On March 24th is not just an egg hunt, but an extreme egg hunt. There's going to be obstacle courses. There'll be stuff for the littles, stuff for the middles, and stuff for the older kids. And it's going to be, the eggs are going to be the goal, but the way they get to them is going to be hopping over stuff and crawling through things and jumping, and it's going to be a blast. I, I'm excited. Last year was great. This is a whole new level, so we're excited about that. March 24th, you can register for free on our website, crsmin.com. Make sure you do that. And make sure you stop by the foyer uh, and the table. And if you could help volunteer, we need, this is all hands on deck. It's a great way to reach our community and let our community know that we're for them. This is just a, a small way we can do that. So we're excited to see how God's going to use that opportunity. Um, and anyway, if you're joining us online, we're super thankful that you're here too. And so some of you maybe know that we stream online and it's just really exciting how God's using online and he's using here in your seats, and so we're just really excited about this morning, and we are thankful that you're here. How, can we get an amen for the sunshine? That's right. We all, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, maybe some of you are a little bit more excited than just an amen. That's right. We can clap for that. It's all good. We can clap. Come on. It's like break free, right? No, it's so good. So I have a really exciting announcement that I actually don't get to share, but I'm going to bring up Pastor Ken to talk about it. Well, as I shared with you last week that uh, we've been looking for a worship pastor and God has provided a worship pastor for us. I want to, uh, we're going to introduce you to him in just a moment, but I want to first of all say thank you to our band. They have done an excellent job in uh, serving week in and week out. Can we thank them this morning? We appreciate you all. Thank you very much. And, and of course, as you know, Rhonda has been the, our worship director for a long time, and Rhonda has done a fantastic job at it, hasn't she? Let's thank my wife, Rhonda. She really has done a good job. <clears throat> you know, R- Rhonda stepped in, uh, that was many years ago, 15 or 17 years ago, when the church was without somebody leading worship, and they asked me to lead worship. So I, obviously my wife had to help me because I can't sing, right? And so I stepped in and we made things happen and, and pretty soon I became the background of the worship, doing a lot of the technical side of things and uh, things like that, and then Rhonda was uh, directing worship. And so now as I'm the lead pastor, I can't be the background and, and Rhonda really needs to, uh, to not be the lead of the worship anymore. So she has been begging us for about two years now to, uh, to, to please get a worship pastor. So I've been working with a team of deacons and so our deacons have been with us and uh, I've been pray- we've been praying over this. They have been working with me and uh, this has been quite a journey. And so we've looked at a number of people, a number of names and a uh, number of people that we've had in here. And so God has led us to uh, Zach, Amy, and his wife, Ellen. So Zach and Ellen, would ask you to come. Would you welcome Zach and Ellen, Amy, to the stage this morning?
And so Zach comes to us, he has experience, he's, uh, he's been currently worship leading um, up until last Sunday, and so he'll be worship leading here next Sunday and start to work with our teams, and we want to develop more teams and, and just worship all over the church. So we're excited about it, and uh, we're thank God that he's given us this great young couple to, uh, to join the journey with us, and I'm, I want you to, to welcome them warmly, let's uh, just really bring them into, into our family here and uh, let them know that we're glad that they're here. Aren't you thanking God for that this morning? Let's thank God for that. I'm going to ask Zach if you would just share a little bit. Just Yeah, so uh, as Ken said, I'm Zach and my wife, Ellen. Uh, we currently live in the Washington area. And uh, man, we're, so we're excited. Uh, we We've come from the Bible Chapel, and uh, we're excited to meet each of you guys. I know you uh, better. We know a few folks here, but um, yeah, so as, as we leave today, I'm, I'm excited to start to try to piece together um, names and faces and, and really get to know you guys as well. So. So thank you. He, he was part, uh, he, part of a development program that helped, uh, and you were leading at a campus out there, one of their campuses. So, um, and so this was a, a great opportunity as we were looking, and he was, uh, he was asking God's leadership in his life. And so we're thanking God that he was able to join our team. So uh, we're going to have some prayer over him this morning. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. And uh, as, as he comes, uh, as, as we add on to our team here this morning, uh, let's just thank God. Amen. Let's go to the Lord, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I just thank you for Zach and Ellen, Lord. We're, we're so privileged to have them to be a part of our team, Lord. We thank you that, uh, that you have gifted him for your work that you've called him to do. And uh, Lord, we just ask that as, uh, as Zach and Ellen uh, uh, become part of our Crossroads family, as, as they begin to learn who we are, begin to work with our teams, and, uh, and just be a part of our, our team here to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We are so thrilled that you brought them our way. We ask for your guidance upon the, the coming days as, uh, as we seek to worship you in all that we do. Lord, thank you for this offering that we're about to receive. We know that your people are giving to you because we're blessing your name. You're a great God. You are so worthy of all of your praise. And so, Lord, we just ask now that uh, you'll be blessed by your people as you've already been blessed by their worship. And so, Lord, now as we bless you in our giving, and then we'll bless you in the word. So we just ask that you'll be praised in this place. In your name we pray. Amen.
We've been in a series called The Last Words. You know, when you hear the last words of a dying man, they're always important. There's always value. And typically, if it's somebody that you know, and you know this is, we're getting near the end, you always remember them. You, they ring in your ears. You, you remember, he always said this. He always said this. And so today, we're, we are, um, we're going to continue our series. We start out the first week, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. The very first words of Jesus on the cross. So he's hanging on the cross from about 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And so uh, as he's hanging on the cross, uh, his first words, as they, they put him up there, is Father, forgive them. So he's, he's praying for those that are the perpetrators. He's praying for the thieves. He's praying for you and I. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's asking for the Lord to take his sacrifice and use it for the forgiveness of your sin. Pretty powerful statement. And then he looks over to the thief and the the two thieves. So the second statement was, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And so he, he, he gives assurance of salvation. And I want you to know, you can know for sure that you're going to heaven, 100%. If the thief on the cross can know for sure, you can know for sure. It wasn't based upon what he could do, how he could change his life. It was based upon the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so, uh, so that was the second word. Uh, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you missed that message, go to our website, check it out. Uh, it's uh, week number two of our series. Last week, we went on and, and we looked at when Jesus looked at his mother. And he says, mother, he talks to his mother and says, woman, behold your son. And then he says, son, behold your mother. Tells John, I want you to care for him. And, and we went into all the details of, a, of how important family is and how important God's family is. They're both big important things. And for Jesus to be letting these little, little glimpses of the deep subjects out while he's dying is pretty powerful. And then this morning, we're going to pick up. Those, those first three statements were, were done from like about 9 o'clock till noon. And then we're going to pick up here, Matthew 27, verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, that's noon. Uh, so the way they would have counted would have been six hours from sunrise, which is about 6 a.m. So we're talking at noon here. Um, uh, until the ninth hour. 3 p.m. So you got a three-hour window. The first three statements were said from 9 o'clock till 12. Now the, the author here, Matthew, is telling us, he's telling us, he says, and then from noon until 3, it was quiet. Look what he says here. Until the ninth hour, 3 o'clock, there was darkness over all the land. So there was darkness over the land. And, and you know, I was, I was trying to figure out what was this darkness? How did we get darkness at noon till 3? Um, some of you remember the solar eclipse, right? We had the solar eclipse, and, you know, up here it was just kind of a little bit of a weird day, you know. I went outside, me and Luke were outside trying to take a picture, and, you know, I'm like, I'm going to look at it, you know, and it's just like that, you know. Um, but that, that's not what this was. This was not a solar eclipse. And uh, I was reading in the commentary, one commentator says this, that it couldn't have been a solar eclipse because it was the, the Passover is always connected to a full moon. So this was the time of Passover. There was a full moon. So the two could not have happened at the same time. And so, uh, so, so it wasn't a solar eclipse. Um, we don't know what it was. It might have been just really dark storm that covered the area for the day uh, for three hours. But we know it was dark. We don't know how God chose to do it, but he made it dark. And it's dark because Jesus is paying for our sin on the cross. Uh, Verse 46, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. 
Um, it, he's crying out. It, it's, it's, a, it, it's not just like, oh, he talked this. He screams this out, Eli, Eli, Alama Savakthani. And you're like, what is he saying? Uh, and, and Matthew continues on. Matthew, Matthew gives you this little bit after the fact. He says, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the people who were there, they're, they're like, he's speaking in Hebrew. What is he saying? If you were to read on in Matthew chapter 27 there, and I'm just going to read from my Bible here, verse 47. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And then another man at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, wait, let us see whether this is Elijah, whether he will come to save him or not. And, 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 and they're, they're calling out, is, is he calling Elijah? What is this? They didn't understand. And if I could just share with you what was going on was Jesus was taking the sin, your sin and my sin. And right here we see the most for the most confusing word as forsaken. The, the most shocking word that he gives us here is forsaken. And, and it's like, here's what happened. He's on the cross, he's paying for the sin, and he yells out to the Father, and he's quoting Psalm chapter 22. If you were to take your Bible and turn over and look at Psalm chapter 22, you would read Psalm chapter 22, verse 1 says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he quotes the very first verse, and as he's quoting that very first verse, what he's saying, he's quoting it in Hebrew. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He quotes it in Hebrew, and he's coming back to the scripture. Now, when you're hanging on a cross, you just don't all of a sudden randomly quote scriptures. Psalm 22 was about the fulfillment uh, there was a prophecy of Jesus here in Psalm 22. As a matter of fact, if you take Psalm 22, and I encourage you to go home and look at it, and you'll read through it. It's kind of intermingled with some praises. And then, then he comes up and he says uh, that, uh, about the scorning and how that they would divide for his clothes and, and all, the, all the torment of the cross. You see much of it foretold right there. It's a thousand years earlier. So Jesus, he knows that he's the one. He knows that he's the one that the psalmist talked about a thousand years earlier, and he blurts it off from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as we get into this, there's a big reason in the question of why. We wonder, you know, how could God break the relationship? Uh, God the Father and God the Son. And so God the Father turns his back on God the Son at this moment. And he breaks the relationship with his Son. It is, it is a moment of no intimacy. It is a moment where things have been broken. And here is the why. Jesus was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. Jesus was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. There is, there, this, is, this is so powerful. Jesus went to the cross he was forsaken, not only so that you could be forgiven, but so that you would never be forsaken. Jesus gave a promise in his word. He said, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5. It is this. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise from God. I will never forsake you. You know, you're going out there, you're dealing with some bad things in life. You have some sin issues. You have some decisions that are bad. You're dealing with health problems. And God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet, at this moment when Jesus was bearing our sin on the cross, the son experienced 
what it was like to be having a broken relationship with the Father. He took our sin on the cross. And here's what was happening on the cross. Jesus was your substitute. He was your substitute. Jesus became your substitute. When you look at the cross, you see the two thieves. The middle one should have been you. Should have been me. Our sin has caused so many problems. Our sin. And God says, I will not let the guilty go unpunished. And so God is the judge. He's the lawyer. He plays all parts in this story. Here's what it is. God says, you have sin and you are condemned to die. But I know that you cannot pay for this. I know that there's no way for you to escape. So therefore, I am going to put Jesus on the cross and he will be your substitute. He will be the sacrifice for you. Pretty powerful thing that Jesus did for us here. 1 John 2, 2. He is, now look what John says about Jesus. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is the atoning sacrifice. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of who? The whole world. So who, who's included in there? Look to your neighbor. Who's included in there? Tell them. All right, I'm just making sure you're with me, right? The whole world, that means you. That means me. We are all included in this. So Jesus died once for all, forever, for you, for everybody. So now check this out. Here's what was happening. This is why... God was turning his back on the Son. God the Father is looking at God the Son because every lie you ever committed, every lustful act you've ever thought of, every thought that was nasty, every action that was bad, guess what? On that day, on Golgotha, on a mountain called Calvary, your sin was placed on Jesus. And Jesus had to take your place on the cross. Now, you know how guilty you feel, right? You know how whenever you are thinking about the past, you think about bad things that you've done, you think about your own sin, you know the guilt. Jesus took all your guilt on the cross. He took all of your shame. And Jesus did it once for all for everyone. So check this out. Every sin that would have ever been committed up until that point and every sin that will ever be committed went on to Jesus that day. So here I am in 2018. Little cuss word, right? Little this, little lie, whatever, you name it, it comes out, right? Guess what? It's already been paid for at the cross of Jesus. It was paid once for all. And Jesus doesn't have to come back in the year 2018 and die for my, my new sins. He took it all once forever for you. And so I want want you to understand what a great gift we have. He says he's the atoning sacrifice. To atone means to pay for the damage that's done. Uh, Other translations use the word propitiation. Here's our propitiation. Um, What that means, it's the appeasement. This was, Jesus on the cross was the propitiation. It appeased God the Father. The judge came out and he takes care of your sin with his own son. What judge, what court of law have you ever been in that the judge comes out afterwards, you know, the judge makes a, 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 a deal. He says, okay, it'll cost you this. It's going to cost you 3000 to get out on bail, right? What judge comes out and writes the check and says, here, go ahead and go? There's no judge going to do that. That's what God did. 
And it was a lot more than 3000 It was the price of his own son. And so the price of his own son frees you so that you don't have to go back and pay. And I want to encourage you, don't keep going back and trying to pay for your sin. You can't pay for it. It, it was settled at the cross. And so there's things about yesterday that, that really overwhelm you, really burden you. And we're going to look at a little, a little bit of that here in just a few moments. But don't go back and keep trying to pay for it because Jesus paid for it. It's done. You don't have to sit here and say, woe is me anymore. It's done. It's paid for. As a matter of fact, Jesus said as far as the east, God, I'm sorry, in the Old Testament, we see as far as the east is from the west, so your sins have been forgiven. So that's what Jesus came to do. When he died on the cross, your sins were separated as far as the east is from the west. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what it is. The, the, the justice of God has been satisfied. He satisfied in Jesus Christ. His, his justice was satisfied when Jesus paid for your sin. Your sin, every sin you ever did was put on him. And you know what this shows us a little bit? We see here a couple parts you've got to understand. Number one, God is holy. God is holy. Uh, look at what the, what the angel said here in Revelation 4.8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who always was, the one who is, and the one who is still to come. Now check it out. When you see something in Scripture, when you see something three times, holy, holy, holy. Do you know what that's telling you? Pay attention. Pay attention. You didn't get it the first time. And the angel just didn't say, holy is the Lord. He says, holy, holy, holy. Why? Because he is so different. The word holy means set apart. That's all it means. So when you're thinking of God, I want you to understand, he is so set apart from our life. He is so set apart that he is perfect in all of his ways. Do you know anybody else that is perfect in all of their ways? I mean, outside of me being the perfect husband, right? I actually know, you know, uh, you know, wouldn't that be cool if your husband were, were perfect in all of his ways, you know, we'd have like, you know, the church would be packed out, man, you go to that church and your husband comes perfect, you know, yeah, you know, uh, how about if your wife was perfect in all of her ways, there, it, it, it doesn't exist, now some of you have to say, well, you don't understand, you know, my little doll, right, okay, there are no, there's nobody that's perfect in all their ways, that is Jesus, that's what he did on the cross, he's perfect. He, God is holy. So God is so holy. He is perfect. He is so far removed. He, he, he never lets you down. He'll never let you down because he's holy. Uh, he's holy. He, he's sinless. He is without wrong. He never does anything wrong. Do you know God never uses his power for selfish motives? That is so cool. He doesn't use his power for selfish motives. Uh, back in that day when Jesus was walking the earth, people were uh, in the Roman Empire, people uh, worshipped the, uh, the false gods of the Roman mythological gods as we know them today. There was Zeus, there was Jupiter, there was all these different people. And what, here, was, here was the thing. Number one, they weren't real. But people worshipped them. And each one of them had a human fa- uh, frailty. Uh, their human frailties would, would be anger, uh, they were afraid of this guy because he had uh, lightning bolts. And, and you had all this different, different issues. It was a human frailty, some human characteristic that was like a downside. And you lived in fear of these gods. We have a holy God who is, not, there's no human frailty in him. 
He is nothing like a human. You, you don't look at him and say, well, you know, I understand. No, no, he is, he is, there's nothing, he is so different than we are. Yet we are made in his image. He doesn't have the sin nature. He doesn't fail. He doesn't make a promise and not follow through. Can you say amen to that one this morning, you know? God makes his promises and he keeps them. Had he not kept his promise, the world would not be in orbit today. Uh, he, he, he keeps his promise, and, and he, he created this place. He continues to do his work. He is so pure that he cannot be near sin. Habakkuk 1.13, kind of an interesting verse. Habakkuk 1.13 says, But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. He's talking about God here. He's talking to God. You are so pure, you cannot stand the sight of evil. So what happens when Jesus is dying on the cross? Every lie you told Every lie is on the cross. Everything you've ever done wrong, you've thought it, you've acted it, it's all on the cross on that day. And God says, I cannot look upon sin. And you know, I'm so thankful that God put us, put Jesus to be his substitute, to be my substitute on the cross that day. Because that day, intimacy was broken God the Father and God the Son had intimacy broken so that you could have intimacy with God. So that you could have a relationship, so that your intimacy can be restored. Um, It was costing Jesus his own fellowship with the Father. And it's because he's holy. He's loving. This was an act of love. He he is loving you to put his Son on the cross to take your sin. Uh, Let me just uh, bring a few thoughts about sin. We, we probably know a lot more about sin than holiness, right? Because uh, we sin. We, we understand that. We understand uh, human fail, uh, frailty. Um, but let me share this with you, that we live in a culture that has made sin look really attractive. Do you, you ever watch TV and notice how they make sin? It's like, yeah, this is so cool. You know, they, they, they'll, 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 show, they'll show the alcohol, the, a guy who's an alcoholic, but they'll never show you all the problems that he has to deal with. They'll never show you uh, him beating his wife. They'll never show you those details. Uh, they'll show you romance. You know, it's always the good-looking guy, you know. And, and he's, he's going, you know, and all the ladies are after him, and, and so he's making his rounds, right? They never show you all the broken hearts, all the relationships that have been destroyed. They never show you the STDs the next week. They don't show you all this stuff. See, sin, Satan comes and he tries to make sin look so attractive. Do you know why? Because that's all Satan has left. There's nothing else left. On the cross, Jesus paid for your sin once for all forever. And that was the final defeat. When Jesus rose from the grave, Satan was defeated. It's over. All he has is a few more years left with us to keep trying tempting us and saying, isn't this good? Like, look, it's like, like you know, trying to make it look like the kids in the candy store. And he says, yeah, come and take a taste. Oh, yeah, this is so good. God didn't want you to have this. And, and we, ha- we go through all that. Sin absolutely is ugly. It is not attractive. Oh, it's attractive. It's fun for a season. The scriptures talk about it. It says that sin is fun for a season. So, you know, you go out and you start to participate in sin, whether it's a, anywhere from a little white lie all the way to those things that you think are so big, right? Um, and so it's like, here we go. All that sin is not attractive. It's ugly. Now, let me show you how ugly it is. Sin, first of all, it, it separates me from God. Look what, look what it does here. Isaiah 59.2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. 
Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So when Jesus came on the cross, Jesus had never experienced brokenness from the Father. Never. All throughout, the, all throughout uh, eternity, remember, he was present in eternity past. He was there at creation. Jesus was there at creation with God the Father. And then he comes to earth. He's born of a virgin birth. He's, uh, he's not in heaven, uh, but he's now on earth uh, and living this perfect life. And, but he has this communion with the Father. Everything's tight with the Father. And at the moment your sin is laid on him, look what God does. God turns his back. On the sun. And he hides his face because he cannot look upon sin. Sin distresses me. Sin is overwhelming. Uh, you know, I, I want you to think about this. When, when, you have, when you have conflict in a relationship, you ever have conflict in a relationship? What happens? It hurts the relationship, doesn't it? You know, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're married, you understand that. There, when there's conflict, you know, you can tell when your spouse is upset. Isn't that kind of cool? You don't even have to say anything. You just come home from work and you're like, what's wrong? You're like, everything's fine. Okay, what's wrong? Nope, I'm fine. Okay, I don't know if that's ever happened in your house, but it might happen once in ours. But it's like, you know, you, you have this conflict. When you have a conflict, you have to deal with it. Jesus dealt with our conflict of sin on the cross. Uh, look here, Psalm 38.4 says that my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. Do you know where worry, fear, guilt, insecurity, emotional stresses? Listen, much of that comes from unrecognized sin. There's things, things in our life that we don't even realize that we're doing that are sin, that have hurt the, hurt the name of the Lord and uh, that are hurting you. And here, we, the psalmist tells us that it overwhelms me. I can't, I can't take this load. And some of you, the first day you came into church, that's what you were experiencing. You were saying, oh, I can't take this. And, and you didn't know what it was. But then you heard the message of Jesus. And Jesus came alongside and he lifted the burden from you. And you're like, wow. Wow. I... I never knew. I never experienced life like this. And we hear this over and over and over. And uh, today, at the end of our service, we're going to have a baptism. The young lady is getting baptized. You'll hear her story. That's what happened to her. God came in and said, I'm going to give you faith. 